Well, years ago, Tina Turner sang this very famous song, What's Love Got to Do With It? And today, what we want to do is answer that very important question. Welcome to What's the Bible Say? I'm Stephanie here with my co-host, Rebecca, and we are in our fourth episode of our Advent series. And today we're going to examine the fourth candle and what that represents, which is love. (laughs) Yes, which, you know, love is such a simple word. I'm wondering if this is true. I have no idea. Do you think that we say love, that word love, every day somewhere? Like we love something. I think so. I mean, I know I do. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. We probably use that word every single day. But when we talk about the love of God, for me, that was something that I... I really misunderstood until I was older. And as a young girl, I was I was saved when I was little. And I loved God. And I knew that God loved me. But somewhere along the line, I started equating how much God loved me, depending on if I was a good girl or a mm. bad girl. So I subconsciously was constantly trying to earn God's love and earn his favor. Uh-huh. And if I was good, then he loved me a lot. And if I was bad, then it was like I was getting like this cold shoulder, like God's mad at me or something. So my whole life, because I wanted to please him so bad, my whole life was like this roller coaster inside, uh-huh. not on the outside, but on the inside. And so I, I really do agree with this quote from Martin Luther. Your thoughts of God are too human. Mm. And that was my problem. That's I powerful. was equating God's love to the to human love. Humans act that way, but God does not. And so I am really excited that we're going to be talking about God's love today. I love your story because I think so many of us have struggled with that. I struggled with that mm. personally before I even came to know Christ. You mm. as a Christian, but me as a non-Christian, mm. you know, I spent years looking for love in all the wrong places and all the wrong ways. And It wasn't until I finally surrendered my life to Jesus that I understood for the first time, God loved me. Like, I didn't have to prove my love to anyone. I just Mm. had to receive God's love for me. And it just changed everything about what love was and what love meant to me. And I I got to understand God's love quite a bit, not just a little bit more, but quite a bit more. And Mm. it did revolution. So, so, okay, so we're going to dive in and we're going to find out what's the Bible say, why it matters, and how we apply what we learn about God's love to our lives. So let's talk about love. Love in its various tensions, not tensions, but in its various (laughs) tenses is mentioned over 500 times in scripture and it is super vital to the Christmas story. Also, I think it's important that we need to understand as we talk about love that the way we use love is, Mm -hmm. is very different than how the Bible defines love. For instance, I love I love my husband, I love my kids, I love my family, I love my friends, but I also love my dog. I love ice cream. <laughs> Me too. And I love the beach. Yes, I hear you. But the original language uses different words for different kinds of love, which is really important for us to understand. So what are they, Stephanie? Okay, so it's very huge. Um, there are quite a few different words in the Hebrew and the Greek. The first one is hab. Which is kind of new to me. I've studied yeah. different words for I'm love in scripture, it. but it's A H A B, and it describes mm. like the love that we have for other human beings, similar to phileo, but not the same. 
which is phileo, is about friendship, that friendship kind of love. Then there's a word storge, which is a little bit more new to me as well, S-T-O-R-G-E. And it's that natural occurring love that you have, like a mother loves her children mm-hmm. or uh, like a family has love one for another, that, that loyal, protective love. Yes. And then there's eros, which is a sexual love where we get our erotic word from and things like that, how you have a love for your spouse, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but then the deepest level of love, which is mainly the love we're going to talk about today, is agape. And maybe you've mm-hmm. heard that term before, agape love. That's unconditional, sacrificial, mm-hmm. everlasting love. And it's the one that's used most often in scripture. And so I think about when Tina Turner sang that song and asked that question, what's love got to do with it? I think the Bible says everything. Yes. And we actually celebrate Christmas because of the love that God has for his wayward and his wandering creation. I mean, Jesus became incarnate or he became flesh, the son of God, so that we could be the blood-bought children of God because of the love of God. The most well-known verse in all of scripture says that God's reason for sending his son was because of his love, his mm-hmm. agape love for yes. mankind. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, we're so familiar with that verse. And Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, it's so simple that it's easy to miss the magnitude of it. Yeah. I I read where this one man, he was talking about John 3, 16. And this is what he said. Just as an infant can grasp the acorn, which holds the giant oak within it. So the youngest child who can lisp the Nicodemus sermon of John 3.16 may, with truth, be said to know the gospel. And yet, every word of it, there is a depth and a mystery of meaning which God alone can fathom. That was Sir Robert Anderson that said that. So that is so powerful because we talk about God's love as if we can really grasp it. Mm. And, And like what you just read, I mean... It's beyond our comprehension, yeah. and yet he talks about it a lot in his word. He he loves us, and, and yet he demonstrates it to us. In fact, First John 4, 9 says that Jesus coming to this earth was because of his great love for us. Mm-hmm. He says, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. So when I think about, you know, that question that Tina Turner asked, what's love got to do with it? <laughs> love has everything to do with it. As First John 4, 8 tells us that God himself is love. So mm-hmm. it has everything to do with it. He defines love by the sheer essence of his being. You know, love isn't just something that God does. Love is who he is. And at Christmas time, we we celebrate that love came down. And, And what that is, is that God doesn't just demonstrate love to us. He defines love mm. because it's who he is, That's not just right. what he does. I love that, you That's know? Great. So love, yes, has everything to do with it. And because if you don't understand God's love for you, then you don't you don't know that you're eternally his. Mm. You, you don't have that security that you're in his loving care, that nothing can happen to you that doesn't first filter through his loving hands. And then then fear, when, when you know God's love, when you know his love for you, then fear has no power over mm. you. You know, 1 John 4, 18 says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. And I just want to say that verse right there could be a whole podcast in itself. I 
That verse is so strong. We're going to schedule that one in for sure. (laughs) So yes, love has everything to do with it because apart from him loving us, we don't have the capacity to love him or anybody else. Mm. 1 John 4, 19, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. So yes, love has everything to do with it. Tina Turner and anybody who else wants wants to know. (laughs) Because if God didn't love us um, with this unconditional, sacrificial, um, relentless love, the cross would have never happened. Wow. We would still be in our sins. Our eternal fate would have been sealed and we would have been separated forever from God. So it has everything to do with it. That's very sobering. But because of the love, God's agape love for us, nothing can separate us from his love either, which is an extra bonus. Romans 8, 38 and 39 says, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the most liberating Mm. passage of scripture to know you can walk in freedom when you know that God loves you and that nothing can separate you. Like you said, when you were a little girl, you know, you used to think your behavior was what determined God's love, was a basis Mm -hmm. for his love. But God loves us in spite of what we do. That's right. It it just blows me away how much he loves us. And I think love has everything to do with it. Because when you think about the two greatest commandments, Mm -hmm. they're based on what? Loving God and loving others. In fact, the Bible says in Matthew chapter chapter 22, verses 37 through 40, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So all the law and the prophets hang on commandments that are about loving God and loving others. So yes, love has everything to do with it. And the reason love matters so much is because when someone has a skewed view of what love mm-hmm. is, when they don't understand biblical love or God's mm-hmm. love for them, or maybe um, maybe biblical love has never been modeled to them, it, it can cause a host of problems. It wreaks havoc on the home. You know, it causes so breakdowns in marriages. Yes. Uh-huh. It causes um, domestic abuse, child abuse, neglect. There are fractures and friendships as a result of not understanding love. Um, There's a host of other emotional and relational issues that happen when we don't understand love. And it makes it impossible for us to, if we don't understand love, it makes it impossible for us to give and receive love well. That's so true. The result of that is that people just become so selfish and so Mm -hmm. self-centered because that's all they can do is focus on themselves because they have this hole in their heart and they don't know how to fix it. And so instead of loving others, they love themselves. And there's no way you can fulfill the two greatest commandments, love your neighbor and love the Lord your God, because you don't know what love really is. And understanding it matters so that we can live free and light to become all that God meant for us to be. And I I won't take the time to tell my whole story now. I've written about it in um, my book, Benched What I Gained When I Lost It All. But I do want to share this one event that happened in my life. And I, um, believe it or not, it happened at a teacher's conference. And I taught school for years and we were at this conference, My, my our staff was. And the the theme of it was teaching redemptively. And I remember the speaker was talking about how do we 
deal with children who are so desperate to gain our approval. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as he was talking, my heart just broke because I could think of different children in my class that tried so hard to gain my approval. And they were darling children. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they did everything right, you know, but I... I could just see their struggle and their constant striving. And I, I wanted them to just be relaxed. And I can remember this one particular girl came to my mind. And I, I just imagined myself kneeling down before her, looking in her big blue eyes and saying, Honey, there's nothing you could do. I don't care how you come in class. I don't care if you didn't get your homework done or you, you come in dirty or um, you failed. I, I, it doesn't change how much I love you. I love you not because of what you do, but because of who you are. Mm -hmm. And in an instant, that scene in my mind changed. And suddenly, I was the little girl. It was God that was kneeling down to me saying, Rebecca, honey, I don't care how you, if you come in dirty or you come in failed. I love you. There's nothing going to change that. And I tell you, I, I slipped out of that room as fast as I could because I was just about to burst mm -hmm. into tears. I was so overwhelmed by God's love. And I remember years ago, I'd heard a counselor or somebody say that if we truly understood God's love, we would curl up in the fetal position and weep. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking that was kind of an odd statement, but that moment I understood it. I was so overwhelmed by God's love that I literally curled up as tight as I could and I started rocking back. I couldn't help it. I was weeping and I kept saying, Lord, no, no, there's got to be, I, I've got to be able to give you back something. And, he, and as soon as I even came out of my mouth, I thought, that's ludicrous, mm -hmm. Rebecca. There's yeah. nothing you can give that will be worth what God has given you. And just over and over to have this conversation, he just I could just picture him like shaking his head at me like, honey, there's nothing you can do. I love you. It's not going to change. Finally, I couldn't take it anymore. And I, you know what it was? It was pride. Mm. I, I had a hard time believing that I could have something without giving something back. Okay. And when I finally released my pride, it was like, I felt like I could take a deep breath. Like, I don't have to strive anymore. Mm. God loves me for who I am. And, but the, the crazy thing is that I couldn't shut up about it. Yeah. I mean, even though it's still hard to articulate everything that I felt in that moment, my, I felt so much love that I just no longer was it, God, are you watching the good things I'm doing so I can get brownie points? Now it was like, I don't care. I just loved him so much. I just wanted everybody to know. Yeah. And I'm telling you that moment, that understanding, I knew that I was saved when I was a little girl, but this was different. This was a relationship, a relationship that now I, I didn't have to worry about if I was accepted or not or getting the cold shoulder or not. So honestly, that moment really changed the trajectory of my life mm. and I could live free and light because I knew that God's love was not dependent on how good I was. Yeah. And that made all the difference. That is a perfect illustration. When you say live free and light, that's mm -hmm. what it's like when you know God loves you. That yes. freedom yes. that you have, you live light because nothing can happen to you that doesn't filter through his hands first. He loves you with this awesome love that you can't 
you can't explain. No. Um, I'm, I'm sure, like you said, it's hard to articulate. It is. it is. It really is. I feel silly sometimes because I don't know how to articulate it. And, and yet he true. tells us he loves us in his word, but even that, like our understanding of God's love is that it's so human um, because yeah. we try to, to make it fit into our box of what right. love is rather than who God is, mm-hmm. who defines love itself. So yes, what's love got to do with it? Everything. And, Absolutely. you know, before we close out this episode, we would be remiss if we did not share with you, beloved, chapter 1 Corinthians 13. Um, it, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 13 what love is and what love isn't. And I just kind of want to read through it. And the reason mm-hmm. I want to is because God brought this home to me one time and said, Stephanie, this is your test verse mm-hmm. and your proof verse. If you want to say you love somebody, then it needs to look like this. If you want to test whether you're loving someone well, then filter it through this this chapter here that, that tells you what love is supposed to look like in real life. So 1 Corinthians 13, many of you are familiar with it, but I'm going to read through it. Yeah. Love is patient. Love is kind. Mm-hmm. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag. Love is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but love rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. Love never fails. And I looked through this passage of scripture and I'm reminded because my husband just did a wedding last week and where he talks about one of the things that happens in marriages is we seek our own. You know, we want to prove that we're right. We want to have our own way. So when I'm yeah. acting like that to my husband, I'm not showing him love. Mm. That's not love. Um, when when I'm not being kind, mm. or when I'm being arrogant, or acting unbecoming, yeah, <laughs> uh, acting unbecomingly, whatever, trying to yeah, prove my point, not patient. And sometimes I really struggle with being patient because I'm mm. a bottom line kind of girl. And so he can be telling me something, and I'm like, come on, go get up. <laughs> or impatient in traffic, impatient with people I'm talking to. I'm not loving. And I just need to admit that. I need to come to grips with whether I'm loving somebody well or not. And I think that's an important reality for us all. That's very convicting because, you know, we we talk real big. Yeah. But the bottom line is it ain't loving when you act like that. Right. Oh, that's convicting. (laughs) I know. I was very, I'm very convicted. And that's why I really wanted to share this. It's super personal to me because this is our filter. God gives us, okay, this is what love looks like. Are you doing this? Mm. And so if we all acted like this in our homes and in our jobs and wow. in, in our in our schools or wherever we're at, in our communication with our friends at church, if we acted like this, if we demonstrated love like God calls us to demonstrate love, our, it would all look a lot different. Lot wouldn't? Absolutely. So, yeah. So we've looked at what the Bible says about love and why it's so important. But let's look at some very practical ways mm-hmm. to apply it to our lives. And I would say the first thing. The most important thing is be sure that you have received God's love for you. You can't love others until you experience the love of God. So if you haven't haven't given your life to Christ yet, listen, he loves you. Mm. He wants to save you. Jesus came to die on a cross so that you could become eternally his because... He loves you so much. And until you experience that, you can't even imagine how much God loves you. And you'll walk around with a very skewed view of what love is. That's right. And, uh, and even trying to, to earn God's love. When God says, listen, I love you this much. Yeah. And he opened his arms and he died on the cross mm-hmm. for us. So give your life to Christ if you hasn't. And that's the number one thing. Absolutely. Is, do you know one God thing. loves you and have you received his love for you? Yes. 
then once you have that settled and you know, then we can move on to number two, which is to live your life to fulfill the two great commandments, which, and how do we do that? By filtering all of our choices and the way we choose to act and react through those verses, which are love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I love um, what St. Augustine said, um, this quote, and it sounds kind of funny, but really think about it. It's true. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then do whatever you want. (laughs) Because if you are truly loving God with everything you are, then what you want is going to be what he wants. And so it's pretty simple when you think about it that way. That's so true too. I would say number three is is kind of like what you just said, only apply that to 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, which is, you know, use it as your test gauge or your proof gauge. Yes, I am loving you like this because I was very, very patient with you. Or (laughs) no, I wasn't loving you well. Please forgive me. Mm, Please forgive me. And so use 1 Corinthians 13 as a gauge um, and love like God calls us to love. So maybe you're listening today and and you're you're saying, yeah, I hear all that, but right now I'm feeling very alone Mm -hmm. and very unloved. And I'm wondering where God is in my circumstances. I want you to know, listen, no one can possibly love you more than God loves you. Or or maybe you're still trying to earn his love. And you need to know that God loves you because he loves you, not because of what you did or what you're looking at your past and you're looking in the rearview mirror and you're saying, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. God knows what you've done, and he loves you anyway. Yes, he does. And so He, there's no greater love than God's love, and he loves you with an everlasting, an unending, a relentless love. You are the object of his affection. You're the apple of his eye. He has inscribed you on the palm mm. of his hands. He knows the number of hairs on your head, for Pete's sake. I mean, who does that except yeah. somebody who is super interested in you? Right. He knows your thoughts. He can see your heart. He hears your cry. I love this. He will never leave you and he will never forsake you. He's never going to walk out the door and leave you alone. Mm. And that's happened. That's happened to me. It's happened to me too. It's this horrible feeling. And he's never going to betray you like that. He's never going to betray your confidence in in him. He is there for you every second of every moment of every day. He's not going to leave you alone with the mess to clean up. Mm, which we've wow. both experienced that before. Wow, yes. And if you're his, if you've given your life to Christ, he's not, he's birthed you into his forever family. Mm-hmm. So he's made you eternally his. And then he's made you doubly his by adopting you into his family. And I can relate to that personally by being um, adopted. And there's no one who can snatch you out of his hand. He's He's mm-hmm. got you tight. You're his child. You're his friend. He's your father and he loves you like no mm. other father on this planet possibly mm. could. And maybe you grew up and your father didn't love you well. Mm. God's not that kind of father. He's not mm. an earthly father. He's the perfect father. And so he loves you like only God can love mm. you. And I know we we could say a ton more about love. <laughs> yes, we, we, could, could. we could talk for hours and still not even touch it. But that's all the time we have for now. And I know we're closing out our Advent series with love. So what I do want to do is turn our attention real quick and think about Christmas Day, which is mm-hmm. is coming. And I know it's upon us. And some of you might be li- lighting that last, you know, Advent candle, which is the white one that represents Jesus. Mm-hmm. And you're reflecting on Jesus and who he is, pure, spotless lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. As you reflect on him, remember he came because he loves you and he wants to spend eternity with you. And he's worthy of our love. Yes. Amen. Well. We at What's the Bible Say want to wish you and your family a very Merry Christmas. 
And we just want to leave you with this last thought from John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.